Welcome back to the OU Shnei Mikra project and our study of Parshat Vayakel. This is Menachem Nittag. In today's show we study Shishi, the sixth Aliyah. When Vayakel and are together, this would be Shlishi, the third Aliyah. Today's Aliyah includes the description of how Betzalo and his co-workers completed construction of the Menorah and the Mizbach HaKtoret. As we mentioned in all of our Shurim and Parshat Vayakel, we are not going to focus on the details of the Menorah itself, that was explained in the Shurim and Parshat Truman Tetzaveh. Instead, we're going to focus on wider themes of how the Mishkan is presented in Sefer Shemot in general and how that relates to wider themes of the entire Chumash. So let's begin now with Perak Lamed Zayin, Pasuk Zayin, chapter 37, verse 17. We'll quickly go through the construction of the Menorah and then we'll deal with the wider theme of the Mizbach Torah. Vayas et menorah zahab tahor. Betzalo made the menorah out of pure gold. Miksha asat menorah yerecha v'kana gvi'eha kaftorea ufrachea imena hayu. When Betzalo hammered out the menorah, he did it from its base, the stem, the different cups, the spheres, the flowers, all out of one piece of metal. Shakanim yotzim mitzideha. Six branches come out from the central stem. Shloshakanim menorah mitzideha achad. Shloshakanim menorah mitzideha sheni. Three branches coming out from one side and three branches coming out from the other side. Each of these branches had special ornaments on them. For the details, again, see the Shirin Parshat Truma. We're simply going to read the Pasuk. Each of the branches was ornamented in a similar manner. There were four cups on the central stem of the menorah. Mishukadim kaftorah ufrachah also designed with kaftorim and frachim. The kaftor tachat shnei akanim imena. The kaftor tachat shnei akanim imena. The kaftor tachat shnei akanim imena. The sheish takanim ayutim imena. Kaftorim uknotam imena hayu. Everything branched out from the central stem of the menorah. Kulam miksha achat zavtor. All fashioned out of one piece of pure gold. Vayaset nerotea shiva. The candles and here a candle is not a wax candle. But rather, this is the container that holds the oil and the wick. These nerot are placed on top of the menorah. They're not made out of the same piece of gold that the menorah itself is made out of. These candles are going to be taken down every day. They'll be cleaned out, filled up with oil, and a new wick is placed in. And then these nerot are put back on top of the menorah and then lit. The cleaning them out and organizing them is called hatavata nerot. That's done in the morning. And the Hadakah, lighting the menorah, will be done in the evening, and they will burn from evening to morning, as detailed in the beginning of Parshat Balotcha. Pasach of Gimel again, Vayaset Nerotea Shiva. Betzalo also made the seven Nerot that would be placed on top. Umalkachel umachtotea zahav tahor, the different utensils that are needed to clean out the menorah and change the wicks. Those were also made out of pure gold. Kikar zahav tahor asalta. All of these different parts of the menorah, the central part and the branches, together with the nerot and all the utensils, were made out of one kikar of zahav, one talent of gold. A talent of gold is 3,000 shekel, or basically about 30-35 kilo, or about 70-75 pounds of pure gold. That would be a little over 1,000 ounces of gold in modern day terms, and with the price of gold around $1,000 an ounce, we're talking about a million dollars worth of gold. We continue now 
with the next vessel, the Mizbach Ktoret, in Pasach Hafei, verse 25, Vayasit He made the incense altar out of acacia wood. Amar Kov, Amar Rovua. It was square, one Amma by one Amma. Vamataim Komoto, but two Amotai. Mimenu Hayukanotav, Vatsat Oto Zahav Tohor. This was also plated with gold. Et Gago, Vet Kirotav Savi, Vet Karotav the top, the roof of the Mizbeach, and its corners all around. Vayaslo Zer Zahav Saviv, it also had a rim around it. Ushtei Tabot Zahav Asalom Mitachal it also had two rings below its crown. Ushtei Tzlotav Ashnei Tzidav, on its two sides, Levatim Levadim, in order to hold the poles, Laseto Tobahen, in order to carry it. Vayaset Abadim Atzei Shitim, then Betzalov made the poles again out of also plated with gold. He also made the Shemen HaMishcha, which would be used to anoint all the Kelim and the Konim. And also the pure incense to be burnt on the Mizbach HaKtoret. All done with the expertise of a perfumer who knew how to combine the different elements of the Ktoret together. If you want a list of how they made the Ktoret, look in your Siddur and Kelohenu. The second section, Pitumak Torah, describes how the Torah was made. I'd like to conclude today's shir with a little focus on what's so special about the Mizbach Torah. If you take a look at Parshot Trumet Tetzaveh, first God commands Moshe to build the Aron, the most important vessel, because that houses the Luchot Abrit, followed by the Menorah and Shochan, followed by the tent that's going to house them, followed by the Mizbach Olah and the Chatzar in the courtyard around it, followed by the special garments of the Kohanim, the Bigdei Kuna, that's going to be in chapter 28. In chapter 29, we even find the details of the inauguration ceremony, where the Kohanim will be initiated and all of the vessels will be sanctified. And only after that entire presentation is over, five chapters, from chapter 25 to 29, are complete, almost as an afterthought, in the beginning of chapter 30, at the end of Parshat Tetzaveh, we find the commandment to build the Mizbach Torah. There must be a reason for that. And to try to understand that reason, I'd like you to pay attention to the unit from chapter 25 to 29, which might explain and help us understand why the Mizbach Torah comes last. That unit, the commandment to build the Mishkan, begins with an important statement by God to Moshe in chapter 25, verse 8, Build for me this Mikdash, this Mishkan, and I will dwell among the people. When those five chapters are over, at the end of chapter 29, we find very interesting summary psukim, beginning in Pasik Memdalad, in chapter 29, verse 44, And then, Then I would dwell among my people Israel, and I will be for them a God. And all of Am Yisrael will know, when my Shekhinah returns and dwells on this Mishkan, that I am the God who took you out of Egypt in order that I dwell among you. That concludes the five chapters of the commandment to build the Mishkan. Only when that unit is over, I call this the Shekhinah unit, because it begins with Vasudim Midash V'Shachanti and concludes with V'Shachanti Betoch B'nei Yisrael. Only when it's over, then I find the commandment to build the Mizbach Torah. And this is easy to understand when I go back to my parallel between the Mishkan and Mount Sinai. If Ramban's interpretation is correct, that one of the primary reasons for having a Mishkan 
is to perpetuate the experience at Harsinai, where God came down and dwelt on the mountain, and Amisro came close at the foot of the mountain, and stood before God, and entered in, into this relationship in covenant. There was a whole discussion back in Parsha Yitro, in chapter 19 and 20, how close was Amisro able to be to God at that event? Were they able to see God directly? Or was it necessary for God to come down in a cloud? Like he tells Moshe Rabbeinu, Was Amisro able to see God panim b'fanim, face to face? Or was there a necessity of some type of a buffer, some type of mechitza, that would protect Amisro from this intense experience? Ideally, Amisro should have stood face to face, panim b'fanim, and should have been able to see God. However, because they're only human, especially later because they're Nam Oref, they're not on the level to sustain that intense relationship with God. In fact, they might even have been deserving of immediate punishment had they done the slightest thing wrong. In order to protect them from that intense experience, there was a need to have an Anan that would form a buffer between God and the people. On the one hand, we're standing in front of God. On the other hand, we need to show that we need protection from this intense connection. And hence, the Anan represents the buffer or the protector between God and His people. If that's true, then the original commandment to build the Mishkan reflects the ideal that God Shekhinah should dwell directly among us. But once God Shekhinah dwells among us, Amisro needs protection. Therefore, the Mizbach Torah is coming to form a buffer between the Mizbach HaOlah the sacrificial altar, where the people of Israel bring their daily korban, the korban tamid, that represents the Jewish people. That mizbech is in placed in front of the Omoid, which is in front of the Kodesh Kodeshim, what's called Difnei Hashem. In the Kodesh Kodeshim, where God will meet Moshe Rabbeinu, that represents the top of Mount Sinai and our intense connection to God. The placement of the mizbech Torah is going to be right in between. And if you read back in Perak Lamed, it's precisely what the Psukim explain. Pasuk Vav in chapter 30, verse 6, parochet, Place this Mizbach Torah in front of the Parochet, Asher Aron Ha'idut, which is in front of the Aron, which will hold the Luchot Abrit, Kaporet, in front of the Kaporet, Asher Al-Hidut, which is covering the Ark, Asher Iva'idlacha, Shama, where I'm going to meet you there. The placement of the Mizbach Torah is very precise between the Aron and the Mizbah HaOla, smack in the middle to form the buffer between Am Yisrael and God. Notice now that the Parochet and the Kaporet all have the Shoresh Kapara inside. We're going to see that the same function of Kapara, which can be understood as a type of protection from God Shekhinah, not just atonement, but protection from that intense encounter, we see that at the end of Paraklamid, at the end of Parshat Tetzaveh, where we're told that unlike any other of the vessels, the Mizbach Torah needs a special ritual every year in Pasuk Yod. This Mizbach Torah needs a special kapara, needs a special, what they call protection or ceremony that shows that we are in essence unworthy of this special connection to God. Yet we want it anyhow, even though we're in Amk Sheoref. We want God's Shekhinah to dwell with us, we show God we're not deserving of this by offering the Torah, 
which forms an anan, which forms a cloud, which reminds us of the buffer that was necessary in Har Sinai to enable that encounter with God. By placing Mitzvah Torah outside of the framework of building the Mishkan, we have the concept of Shekhinah, God first dwells in the Mikdash, and only afterwards we need the Ketoret to protect us from this encounter. That will explain why later on Yom Kippur, when the Kohen Gadol goes into the Kodesh Kodeshim, he has to take the Anan from the Mitzvah Torah, take it with him, and make yet another Anan between himself and the Aron and the Kruvim in the Kodesh Kodeshim, because consistently the Anan Ketoret is going to remind us of the Anan that was at Har Sinai. Even though that's a presentation in Trumat in Parshat Vayakel, the construction is very practical, and hence we construct all the vessels of the Mishkan, one after the other, in a very logical sequence. When we talk about their purpose and function, there it's presented differently. We'll continue that discussion in our study tomorrow of Shvi, the seventh Aliyah, when we conclude the different vessels of the Mishkan and its courtyard.